want to make sure that that we that we hear the word, that we listen to the word, that we take take a serious approach to the word. Amen. Amen. So that's that's very important. Lord, we just ask this morning that we hear your word shortly. We're not going to be long. It's a beautiful day. We're honoring our mothers and our nurses today, Lord, and we just thank you for both of them, the nurses who have been on the front line of this this pandemic from day one and how they put their lives and health at risk and jeopardy to help us and to help us stay healthy and to get healthy. And we just thank you, Lord, for them. We thank you, Lord, for the mothers who brought us into the world, Lord, and has taken care of us from an infant and we just thank you God for their honorable place in our society and how important they are and we thank you Lord for all the mothers and grandmothers and godmothers and play mothers and aunts and and nieces that are here today Lord may we honor them and we thank you for them in Jesus name amen 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 all right so um so I'm so happy to see I need to use it because I need to use her mic because I lost, I don't know where I lost him to, but I lost Justin and I was going to have him run my PowerPoint presentation. But that's okay because I can multitask and I want to just start at the beginning because for some reason this is not at the beginning. So let's see if we can move this back to the very first, to the very first slide here okay so what I want to do is okay thank you Lisa so what I want to do is I want to give you guys like a uh, an 11 minute just 11 minutes you can clock me on this 11 minutes you probably have never seen this happen before in life I want to cover the, the entire book of Revelation and 11 minutes from a timeline standpoint and then I want to give you a final point for the close but the 11 minutes I want to use to tell you just about how things progress, the order that we can expect things to move along in the book of Revelation from the very beginning, chapter 1 to chapter 22. So the, uh, the end times, I'm not going to actually start at the very beginning. I'm going to pick things up at chapter 6. And Lisa, if you can go to the next slide. The, uh, and I think the next slide should be the rapture of the church. Very good. So the very first event that happens, the very first event that happens that pushes Revelation into orbit is the removal of the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. The Lord takes the church out. Amen. We are caught up to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. And what a blessed time that is. And, uh, and I, just, I just want you to know that the, uh, the rapture of the church is the thing that sets all the other events in Revelation in order. The, uh, the rapture of the church starts that. The next slide, Lisa. And that's the rise of the Antichrist. And you can find that. And by the way, the way I have these slides, they're not in your notes, so you might want to write this down. The things that are in yellow, those are the scriptures that relate to the 
to the words that are in black and white. The Antichrist is the devil. He's going to come and he's going to create this false trinity to match God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Satan is going to have Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and he's going to set, actually all of them are Satan, but he's going to manifest himself as the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast. You can find that in Revelation 13 and Daniel 9. The next slide, Lisa, is the tribulation period, which we've been studying for the past couple weeks. This is going to be my last week talking about anything relative to judgments and the tribulation period going forward for the final three weeks of this series on Revelation. Because starting the first Sunday in June, we're moving to a new series and we'll be done with Revelation. The last three weeks of this month, I'm going to talk to you guys about heaven and the joys of eternal life with the Lord. Chapters 19, 20, hopefully Sister Debbie's going to have the choir sing in the next three or four weeks. We're going to sing about hallelujah, salvation and glory. Revelation chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22 are four of the greatest chapters in the Bible. The next slide, Sister Lisa, is the battle of Gog and Magog. You probably have seen this in Ezekiel. It's mentioned in Revelation. This is a war. Actually, there's going to be two wars. Actually, there's going to be three wars. There's going to be this massive world war between Gog and Magog, which kind of represents, there's not an exact meaning of this, but it seems to indicate nations to the north, Soviet communist nations like Russia and China declaring war on Israel. And God is going to intervene in that war. That's going to be a massive war. That is not the Battle of Armageddon. That's another war. The Battle of Armageddon is something that takes place during the tribulation period. And it's a battle that is going to occur between God's forces and the people on earth that are influenced by the Antichrist. The next slide, Lisa, is... These, these, I wanted to just tell you who these three things were or what these th three things were. Number one, there will be two witnesses. If you look at Revelation 11, there will be two witnesses that will come from heaven down on earth to witness and preach the gospel and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. There's been debate over who these two guys will be. Some say it'll be Moses and Elijah. Some say it'll be Elijah and Enoch. We don't know because the Bible doesn't say. What makes sense to your humble servant here is Elijah with a J because he was translated. He was translated, okay? He was, he was caught up and he did not see death, which means he did not go through the grave and the Bible says it's appointed to a man once to die and then the judgment so it makes sense that Elijah with the J would be one of them and it's possible that the other one could be Moses because no one knows where he was buried just that he was buried but I think it makes more sense that the other person the other witness in Revelation 11 could be Enoch because Enoch also was translated and did not see death. 
Those are the only two people in scripture that I know that did not see death. And so it could easily be someone that we don't know of. The fact that the Lord did not give them their names puts us in that category of Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. And the things that he revealed belong to us and our children to obey throughout eternity. So we don't know who they are specifically. The next thing is this number right here, 666. Some people think that 666 is the mark of the beast. No one wants to have 666 as their home address. No one wants to have 666 in their phone number. No one wants to have 666 associated with their social security number or anything else. <laughs> Let me just say this. It's not 100% scriptural that 666 means it's the mark of the beast. Six is just the number of man. If you look at the passage in Revelation 13, and see, that's, that's, that's one of the purposes of this series. I had two goals. The Lord laid on my heart two goals when I started this series. Number one, to make Revelation joyful. That's why it's the, the series isn't called, entitled Enjoying Revelation. My goal was to take away all the fear and the mystique and the mystery and the spookiness and the boogeyman and take all of that stuff out of Revelation and strip it down to what it's really for. It is really a book about rejoicing, a book about restoration. God restores us, and we rejoice when we're in his presence throughout eternity. Amen? It's a book about repentance, restoration, God regathering his people, establishing heaven on earth, paradise revisited, paradise restored. And Revelation, the other reason for this series on Revelation is to clear up some of the mistakes and the misunderstandings and the craziness in terms of ideas and ideology about what the book means. I wanted to clear up the misconceptions, amen? So the, I wanted to make sure that you enjoy the book the way you enjoy the book of Psalms. And I wanted to make sure that you understand the book and I dispel with all of the uh, garbage and misconceptions and misdirection and disinformation and misinformation so that you can understand the book the way you understand the book of Psalms. Amen? Amen. You all with me on that? I want you all to walk away and say, you know what? For the last three months, we've been studying Revelation, and I actually like that book. I ain't scared of that book no more. That book, doesn't, that book don't spook me no more. I don't have nightmares anymore when I read that book. <laughs> God is not mean and angry in that book. God is merciful and kind and patient. Do you realize how, many, how long he gives the world to repent? All of these judgments and plagues, giving man time after time after time to come to Jesus. God is merciful, even during the millennial period. So it's a great book. I want you all to love it. I want you to have a better understanding of it. I want you to appreciate it more, not be spooked by it or afraid of it, and not dismiss it and never read it. How many of you all had read the book of Revelation before this series? Okay. How many of you had understood the book of Revelation before this series? I still don't understand it. I'm not saying that we are now walking, talking as scholars on Revelation. We're not. 
But I think what most of us do have and should have now is a no fear of it and a better respect for it and understand that the book can be enjoyed. The book can be a blessing starting right out from chapter 1, verse 3, that who reads this book will be blessed right out of the rip. It's just right there in black and white. If you read this book, that you'll be blessed. If you read it and you obey what's written in it. I love it. Okay, next slide, Lisa. And I know I didn't tell you everything about the mark of the beast, but the mark of the beast is something that hopefully none of you will have to be concerned about because it's something that occurs during the tribulation period for those people that buy into the antichrist's jargon and buy into his rhetoric. He will take the mark, he or she will take the mark of the beast in order to trade and to buy and sell. Other than that, that's it. Whether it's tattooed in your forehead, whether it's a RFID, it's under your skin, whether it's some sort of chip that's put in your body, whether it's something that's sprayed on you that's x-rayed that you only can see with a sensor or a photo-optic light, whatever it is, don't worry about it because prayerfully, hopefully, it won't involve any of us. Amen? The only mark that we have on us is the mark of Jesus Christ that says we are a child of the King. Amen? Our foot is on the... Our, 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 our heart is given to him. Our foot is on the rock, and our name is on the roll. So we go rock and roll right on to heaven. Next slide. The abomination of desolation is something that occurs midway through, midway through the uh, tribulation period. And I'm sorry for those of you at home that can't uh, see the slides on our PowerPoint. Uh, my IT guy was off-site, so, you know, I'll send these slides to you in a PDF. I did make them in a PDF. Don't worry about it, Justin, because I'm almost done now. I will send it to everyone in a PDF. A PDF is a public document format. It's like a, a, a word for it. It's like a word document. It's, it's a writing. I will send you, I'll send you a copy of, of these slides in your this week's sermon notes. Amen? So I'm going to give everyone a copy of them because I got a few more after this. And you'll have a, a copy of the slides. And I'm going to also send you a copy of the graphs and charts. I think Sister Mary Martin is still on. Yeah, she says she likes pictures. I like pictures too. Pictures just speak for a thousand words. I like graphs. I like charts. I like illustrations. I like, you know, diagrams that, that give you some visual concept of these pictures. Because a lot of the, what's in Revelation is imagery. A lot of it is metaphors. A lot of it is symbolic. Not all of it, but quite a bit of it. So you need sort of a, a, a code or a, a legend to decode some of the uh, things that are said there. I'm going to make sure that you have that. Um, the next slide, Lisa, is the, um, the Millennial Kingdom. Or, okay, the Battle of Armageddon. I talked a little bit about the Battle of Armageddon. That's just this war that's going to take place between the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beasts, they're gonna be captured, they're gonna be thrown into the lake of fire according to Revelation 19:20, and, and uh, we are going to be rid of them, thank God. The next, the next slide is the millennial kingdom, or at least we're gonna, they're gonna be thrown in there for the 4,000 years, let me just put it like that. For this thousand year millennial reign, the Lord will come back with us, with his people, amen? The resurrected saints, the saints that are in heaven with him, according to Revelation 20, 
uh, verses 11 through 15, the Lord is going to come back in a triumphal, a triumphal uh, victory that we will reign with him for a thousand years. We will enjoy a sin-free world for a thousand years. I just can't even comprehend any of this. This is just all way over my head, but I just can't wait for it. Can you imagine uh, a world without sin, a world without failure, a world without temptation, a world without any demonic or satanic influence? Wow, that's just hard to wrap your mind around. He will be, the devil will be released for a season. The Bible doesn't say, it just says a short while at the end of this millennial reign. And he will try to wage war. That'll be the second war of Gog and Magog. He will try to wage war against the saints, but the Lord will just shut him down. He will be bound and thrown into the lake of fire that burneth with fire and sulfur, or as we old saints know it as fire and brimstone. And that will be it for Satan. And then the, the next slide, which I think is the last. Uh, okay, I just talked about this battle. This is the battle that follows the thousand-year reign. That's in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 10. And if I'm going fast, don't worry, because I'm going to give you a copy of all of this. That's right, a free copy. Just send in your donation of $50 to P.O. Box. No, just kidding. I'm going to give everybody a copy of this. So, but I'm just, uh, just, uh, hasty, uh, just sort of hastily moving along just for the sake of time. And then one more, I think, and that's the great white throne judgment. And this is the, uh, well, there's one more after this. This is a period of time where all people on earth, except for the saints, are going to be judged before God for their deeds, good and bad. And this will be a great th white throne judgment, primarily uh, for uh, sinners and those who have have fought against the Lord during um, this this seven-year period. They will be judged, and they will be thrown into the lake of fire, according to Revelation chapter 20. And finally, the new creation, the last two chapters of the Bible, which I'll talk about in the next two or three weeks, the new creation, the uh, new heaven and new earth, talked about in Revelation 21 and 22. I put in my notes here that this is a time when God wipes away all tears, there will be no pain. There will be no death. There will be no sorrow. You know, it's really unfortunate that we don't talk about that more than we do. Amen? It's really, it's really unfortunate that we do not spend more time talking about heaven and talking about eternity, talking about our reward. Because, listen, that's why we're doing all of this. <laughs> Think about it. The reason we come to church every Sunday, the reason we worship, the reason we give, the reason we pray, the reason we fast, the reason we study God's word, the reason we serve faithfully is because we eventually want that reward of eternal life with the Lord. Amen? That's why we're doing this. Yes, there's joy in the journey, but there's no comparison. Paul says these lights, these, these lights, what is it? Afflictions, uh, thank you, aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Mm. All right. Amen. Before I sit down, my last point. Next slide, if you will, Sister Lisa. So what do we do? What do we do? I'm going to tell you, this is so challenging for me to stand behind this thing here. You know, it's, 
I like it because I don't have to wear a mask when I'm behind here. But man, it's so limiting. And, and, and Justin, he made fun of me a few weeks ago. He said, you're not going to stay back there. And uh, I said, well, if I do, if I leave from behind my prison, I will wear a mask. But this is just so restricting because I just want to get closer to you guys. I want you guys to, to, to feel the energy that's going through me and to know that this is just too exciting to be contained in, in this little square. I don't know how Rod stayed back here last week, but at any rate... <laughs> But but I just want to tell you that this this is restricting. So I, when, if I come out of my cage, I'll put on my mask. But I just want you to know that these these are exciting, these are exciting times, and the Lord gives us some great instruction. Take a note of this. Here's what we do until the Lord comes. Until all these things I talked about are revealed. Number one is we need to walk submissively, obediently with the Lord. And that's what it tells us in Revelation 1.3. I'm going to read it. It says, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And watch it. Watch. And keep those things which are written therein. Why, Pastor Will? For the time is at hand. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Built-in blessing. Read it. Do it. If you walk obediently, you'll go to heaven. If you don't, you'll go to that other place. As my kids used to say, H-E double hockey sticks. That's where the place of the loss will be. Amen? So let's be obedient. Number two, let's just worship, throw our head back like we got a contract, and sing like there's nobody else in the room. I'm going to tell you why. Because praise, praise God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as we worship him, we will be victorious. You feel good. You look good. You sound good. God is good. And everything else that's in your view is a good when you are worshiping and praising the Lord. There's just nothing like worshiping triumphantly. Worshiping with victory, praising and singing and glorifying God. And then the third thing I put in my notes is let's work. Let's work fervently. I was thinking about this particular one when I was uh, prepping this week. And Rod and I were talking about a passage in, uh, in the Bible that he was working on. And uh, I promised him that I, I promised that I wouldn't steal his message. So I'm going to just say this. Uh, when we work fervently, it reminds me of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And Ephesians 3, 20 says, Now unto him who is able, if you're reading it from the King James Version, that's Rosie's version. Now unto him, that's Reg's version too. That's Rod's version too. Uh, I like them all. But now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Now, if you just stop right there, that would just be enough to run around and shout about. If that's where the verse ended, that would be good enough. Is, is, my, is my nephew on the line? See, Todd would say that will preach. 
That, that by itself would preach. There's my sister. Hey, sister, sister. That would preach. But as the commercials say, but there's more. <laughs> you get all of this for $19.99. But there's more. <laughs> if that was all there were, if that was all we had to deal with, that would be great. Exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. But he goes on to talk about this working fervently. I know I put up 2 Corinthians 5.10. That's because I wanted to break down this word fervently. He says, according to the power, as Terry, as uh, Rosie's beautiful husband, Terry O'Banion used to say, that dunamis, that dunamis power, that dynamite power, according to, according to the power that worketh in us, in other words, it is God who is working in us, Philippians says, to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is doing the work. All we have to do is provide a vessel, a temple, an available body that says, yes, Lord, to your word. Yes, to your will. Yes, to your way. Work right through me. God will do the work. God will do the work. Amen. He will do it effectively. He will do it powerfully. I love that. I just think that if we just allow the Lord to work through us, he will have his way. And here's one more, one more, two more actually. And that's the, um, actually I think I skipped one at least because I had in there witness fervently. I don't know where it's, there it is. Okay, witness urgently. Okay, that's what I have in here according to Romans 10, 17. And the reason of that is, is because the Bible says faith comes by hearing in Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. When we witness, listen, you don't need to be, listen, I'm, I'm almost done. Uh, a couple more minutes, I promise. You don't need to be Billy Graham. You don't need to be an evangelist. I'm staying back here so I can be away from you guys without my mask. You don't need to be I'm behind my shield here. You don't need to be an evangelist to be an effective witness. Amen? Amen. Because Revelation 12, I think it's 12, 11, says that, and they overcame by the what? Word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. In other words, he said that your testimony, your testimony is so powerful that you can overcome by it and you become such an important witness that when you share the word of God, it has the power to save people. That's what testifying means. Testifying means you witness, you share the word of God both verbally and with your life. You say it and you live it. That's what testimony is about. It's not only about your words. If you become a witness in a trial, your words are listened to by the jury, but your actions are also recorded, and they are part of the discovery process by the prosecutor or the defense attorney. So it's not just your words that are on trial. Your actions are also on trial. You can be indicted both by what you said and what you did. Amen? Well, it's the same with the Lord. 
What we do and what we say is what makes us an effective witness. It's what makes our testimony so powerful. Are you all with me on this? Last slide. Last slide, Lise. Watch expectantly. Rod, I was working out this week, uh, and I came across this verse while I was working out in the Word. I was working out, and I came across Micah 7-7. When's the last time anybody read the book of Micah? Yeah, it's been a minute, right? I mean, I taught from Micah when I did every book of the Bible. Y'all remember that? This is not the passage I chose from Micah back then. The passage I chose from Micah was from chapter 6. When I said, what does God require of the old man? This is a different passage. This is just off the chain amazing. Micah chapter 7, verse 7 says this. But as for me. Now, first of all, let me just say this. I know I'm, I know I'm going over a little overtime. Excuse me, you guys at home. I love you. I'm almost done. Tim, get ready because I'm going to have you pray over our offering. Let me just, when I see a scripture that starts out, but as for me. <laughs> the first thing I think of, the first thing that comes to my mind is Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And that's what Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will what? We will serve the Lord. And so when I saw that, but as for me, I said, oh, boy, something's good about to go down up in here. As for me, Micah said, but as for me, I will watch expectantly. I, didn't, I don't know that I remember that verse being there. I, I, I think I did a merry favors on that one. I just started work, looking through my concordance. For the words, watching, expectantly, being there. Is, is Mary back there? There she is. Mary, don't be trying to hide, act all sophisticated. You know, you know we see you. So, so Micah says, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I'm sorry. This is one of those verses y'all got to put on your refrigerator. I'm sorry. This is a refrigerator verse. If you ain't got room for it because you got so many, put it on your cabinet. Put it on your mirror in the bathroom. Put it somewhere. Because this verse, this verse just checks all the boxes for me. But as for me, I will watch expectantly. That's why the, that's why the Monday morning moment, uh, that's why the Monday morning moment is just simply watch and pray. Because this just says it all. I will watch expectantly for the Lord. And I will wait for the God of my salvation because my God will hear me. How many of you believe that God will hear you? I'm serious. If you don't believe it, don't say it. You know, if you don't believe that God will hear you, be honest. Just say, well, Pastor, well, you know what? I'm struggling with that. I pray, I fast, I study, I read, I sing, I worship. And it just seems like nothing changes for me. Come on. There's got to be at least one person that's been through that. Amen. Amen. And I think honesty is a good part. I think some of, I think in some cases we just seem like, Sister Debbie, right? That sometimes we just feel like, where are you, God? I'm calling. I'm trying to live this thing. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be a good husband, a good wife, a good son, a good daughter, a good employee, a good employer. And just seems things seem to be keep going south for me. 
I take one step forward and I fall two steps backwards, right? Somebody's been there. Okay, if y'all haven't, I'll speak from personal experience. I can tell you, I feel like this, this, this has, has, has been a part of my Christian experience at times. Not all the time, but I feel like just sometimes, Lord, where are you? What is up? I'm trying to do the right thing, you know, and just seems like bad things happen. Well, I want to tell you something. I want to encourage you this morning. Micah 7, 7 says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. For my God will hear me. It may seem like God ain't listening. It may seem like God ain't doing nothing. It may seem like your prayers are hitting the ceilings and dropping back to the floor. But I'm here to encourage you this morning and tell you that God hears you. God sees us. And even though he may not always move at the speed that we want him to move, which in most of cases is light speed, <laughs> like, God, where are you? I needed you yesterday, right? That's what we'll say. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that God knows the perfect timing, that God is never late. As the old saints used to say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. I believe that. I have, I have lived long enough to actually finally believe that. And it wasn't fun in the moment. <laughs> it wasn't fun when I said, God, what is the delay? You start thinking about unconfessed sin in your life. You start doing an introspection and checking out this. Did I do that? Did I say this? Have I had bad thoughts? Did I not say I'm sorry to that person? Did I forget to forgive Reg back in 68? Lord, what is going on? <laughs> you start wondering, right? Well, I want to encourage you. Don't be discouraged by God's apparent delay. Don't be discouraged by God taking his time. He knows what's up. He knows what amount of time it takes to get us to a place that we can receive his blessing, that we can be ready to walk in his uh, truth, that we can be ready to be available to him. He doesn't do it prematurely. Sometimes we ain't ready. Sometimes we can't handle it. And sometimes he needs more time to get us to that place. Amen? Mm. I could work with that, but it's time to quit. The Monday morning moment is watch and pray. Matthew 26, 41 is what the Lord told his disciples. I pray that you are encouraged this morning. Boy, I have so much more in my heart. I'm full. I feel like, I feel like Coach feels when he's singing and he just, he's just singing and he's, he's crying and he's singing and he's praying and he's exhorting. And you just feel that you feel the anointing oozing from his pores and you just you know you know that the Lord is doing something I feel like I know that the Lord wants to say something to us this morning and I pray that this is resonating in your spirit that you're just not watching me run around up here and jump up and down and get all excited but that something is sticking with you that will have eternal value that will pay eternal dividends that you will know that God is real and that God is listening and that God hears us. Amen? Don't be discouraged when it seems like God is taking too long. Don't be discouraged when it seems like God is delaying. 
Don't necessarily think that there's sin in your life when God isn't answering your prayers in rapid fashion. It's not always the case. Job's friend, Job's friends ran him up and down one side and down the other and told him, dude, you sinned, dude, you wrong. You need to confess, you need to repent. What did you do? They, 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 they were just convinced that Job had messed up. And Job was cursing everything but God. He just didn't know what was up. Even his wife said, dude, why don't you just curse God and die? Because whatever you did, it had to be super heavy for God to be coming down on you like this. And the Lord just rebuked them all. He made his three friends at the end come back and beg his partner and say, I'm sorry to Job. That Job had done nothing wrong. They were not privy to what Job what the Lord and the enemy were discussing in Job chapter 1. They were not privy to the fact that God was doing that for Job's benefit, not just testing him to see him squirm, but because God wanted to prove that we are strong enough, that he will give us strength at the time that we need it. He would not have put Job through that if he knew Job was going to fall flat on his face. I am convinced God does not walk us into failure. God does not walk us into positions where we are not going to be successful and bring glory to his name. God doesn't do that. He's not sadistic. He's not a, a benevolent God. He's a benevolent God. Amen? Mm. Got to quit. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Thank you for this morning. Lord, may your word just resound in our hearts. May it change our thinking. May it change our outlook. Lord, may it change our worldview. May your word do in us what only your word can do, and that is have its way and make us like you, Lord. Make us think like you. Make us talk like you. Make us walk like you. Lord, just give us that ability to surrender to your word and your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said. Amen. 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 Amen.